Thanks for taking the time to listen to our 3D OrthoPro podcast. If you'd like to get any more information on Piro, 8Soul or Raptor, please visit our website at www.3dorthopro.com or drop us an email at info at 3dorthopro.com. Hello and welcome back to the 3D OrthoPro podcast. Um, I am very happy to welcome Mr. Dave Buchanan, who is the Technical Director at Becker Orthopaedic UK and the only <laughs> fellow um, who is in, the, in what club are you in? Tell me. I've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> they're all college of physicians and surgeons of glasgow oh there you are nice. that sounds like a good club to be in and uh the this is a this is an interesting position because um we've obviously known each other for quite a long time um and we met when you interviewed me um 15 years ago <laughs> not to make you feel old just to go straight off the bat dave thanks matt <laughs> <laughs> Your first job, post, post I, mean, I thought of that earlier on. I thought I'm definitely getting that in there. I remember you not remember that interview, this season? Biggest mistake in my life. <laughs> <laughs> you hired me. That was it. That was it. Friendship forever. <laughs> that was yeah, and that that was a good one. I have to say, it worked out well, really it's well. Got, I'm still still here in Cardiff as well, and you're just up the road, so yeah. Um, so I just a lot of the time when we when we catch up with people, I just like to ask like your bit of background to your career and like you know starting from perhaps before you were became an orthodontist because I I know a little bit about your background and um, and how you kind of find yourself as a technical director. <clears throat> in orthopedic. All right, um, <laughs> Crikey. Uh, I started off as an aircraft engineer working for the Royal Air Force MOD. Uh, in South Wales, we, we both spent a lot of time working in South Wales. Um, didn't really like it. I don't think I was very good at it. Got ill, got all melodramatic. My wife's a physio. Found out what orthotics was and said, you need to be an orthotist. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> don't we all? Yeah. So I, I, went to, uh, I went to university. I thought, I do want to be an orthotist. I went and uh, I spent some time with Hugh Marlinson in Cardiff. You know Hugh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and Ian Hiles at the time in Cardiff. Oh, yeah, I remember Ian Hiles, yeah. And um, I, I saw what they did. Uh, Ian Hiles was running about stressed to hell, taking casts for TV, uh, for babies with TV. Um, and I thought, yeah, I'm going to do this. So, so I did. Went to uni, went to Salford, not Strathclyde. Uh, <laughs> far too close to my mother in Paisley, so I went to, Strath- uh, to Salford. And... Um, became one yeah. and then I spent some time in Stoke learning some the basics and it's always all about the basics in our job anyway uh, ended up doing some specialist work in Birmingham Selly Oak eventually ended up working uh, via True Life then to, to Autobock in the UK where I've started learning the first funky bits about our role so stance control mm-hmm. I got really into stance control and then moved and lived in Germany for with Autobock uh, in Duderstadt, uh, learned German really quickly. Still rubbish, but it gets me by. Well, what was that like working in? I've been to Duderstadt once as a student, but uh, pretty much everything just evolves around Autobock. 
indeed. Yeah, it does sort of the a lot of the town is is sort of busy because Ottawa is there. It's a town in its own right, but a lot of the things there are supported by the population that moves in and out during the week. We've got a massive influx in and out Monday to Thursday ish. Uh, which are non-locals working for Bok, and then obviously lots that stay there too. Um, but it's it's a lovely town in its own right and a beautiful area. Um, mm. I stayed there for a couple of years. Part, part of your role there, did you you did some of the? Was did you help redesign the kind of joint range or to, cl- to kind of clean it up so that it looked there was a bit more? Because I remember opening that catalogue before it was like you didn't know it was just thousands of pages of parts, but you, you did some work to make that a little bit more simplified for, for us. Yeah, I, well, I, my bugbear, uh, I like to make sure that things last a long time. They're serviceable and, and uh, they can be serviced because uh, that reduces the load. Of, it was an NHS-based thought at the time. It reduces mm-hmm. the load on the NHS. It also helps other reimbursement systems because they can charge more often for smaller pieces. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I, I led the redesign of what was the master joint range uh, where we introduced different bushing systems and made them look a bit sleeker. Um, and, and, and they turned out quite well. They, they then actually were modified afterwards, changed some of the bushes and things, which I'm not sure they communicated very well, but it wasn't the process that we delivered. It was a, a made-to-manufacture process, which meant that there was no handwork, hand-fitting involved. I think that crept in again over time because uh, there was only really one guy there, one incredibly skilled guy that led the manufacturer who's now retired. So I redesigned that. I had nothing to do with the catalogue at all. Yeah. <laughs> Just appeared. Um, it became the catalogue afterwards was a little bit easier to understand than the, than the initial one in terms of, like, they had some description in them of what they actually did. <laughs> Which was right. always helpful. Okay, yeah. I, actually, because I was living in Germany then, I didn't see the catalogue until the, the first one arrived at my desk, and I was like, "Well, <laughs> knee joints were upside down, but one of the posterior offsets is still upside down in one of the catalogues. Um, but that's a small thing based on perfectionist <laughs> point of view. So, yeah, I, I redesigned, or I led the redesign on those and, and learned a lot from people on yeah. that, that yeah. project, yeah. And in and in terms of um, like developing stuff and pro- products and and kind of redesigning that kind of joint range, like what um, what's been your your favourite? Because obviously you you've been you've been in amongst carbon fibre and cathodes and AFOs and joints, like specifically like training everybody around the UK and the world on that for for some time now. Yeah, my my well, so I, I work for a. I work for a company now that sells products. We want to sell products. But um, for me, it's about the thought process first before any product. Uh, and, and the way thought processes have changed because of the EMI, because of uh, the, the neuro, neuro neurotronic stance control, C-brace, people now think about ground reaction force and static and dynamic alignment in AFOs and CAFOs, whereas they didn't really do that before because we as orthodists thought about stiff braces, we didn't think about inherent stability with manipulation of the ground reaction force and a posterior offset allied to specific muscle powers, mm-hmm. which aren't evidence-based, it's, it's clinical. Yeah. Um, so I love the ideology behind it, but my, my favourite thing... So far, we'll say, so far. 
it changes. I'm biased at the moment. I, I love what the triple action does because it's sort of, we were talking about this before we started. If I had designed a system on my own that floated my boat and covered all the things that people have probably heard me ranting or raving or whatever about neuroplasticity, allowing movement where possible, it's evidence-based in a lot of other professions, but not ours. The difference, the difference in neuroplastic function that can be gained through allowing enough motion rather than blocking things, depending on presentation yeah. and the assessment. Yeah, um, it would be the triple action joint at the minute. I've got to be honest with you, and and that might seem biased, but it's the fact that I would always want to. In the past, I was looking for adjustment of shank angle. Mm-hmm. I, I would have adjusted, sort of designed something with shank angle adjustment. I had nothing to do with this pre, this this system. Because uh, I was working in Germany at the time with Bok, and and the fact that you can do that means that the springs stay at the full length, so mm. you're not compressing the springs and, and, and compromising the spring rate. Yeah, where you are on the spring curve. Okay. Um, so so that is my favourite at the minute, but I wouldn't be here if it wasn't free mag, free walk, uh, and and all the other stance control variants from other companies. Mm-hmm. Um, wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. Yeah. And Definitely. I, I think that kind of before because we could easily just dive dive straight in and go into the triple action. But I just just reverse a little bit and say, which is you you touched on a little bit because I prior to coming on, we were discussing like kind of mindsets in the UK and um kind of where we are with like that decision making process. So I think that like you said the basics is important. So when we are considering our anorthosis with a joint. Like for example, we'll stick with airfoils. And what, what what are your basic kind of considerations when you're you're when you're going through that assessment? Well, my basic consideration is the fact that still, I mean, there's some great research for for the the basic understanding of how airfoils would work, but there's also some weird research and weird opinions and consensus documentation which draws massive conclusions based on nothing other than. Well, that sounds like a good idea. Um, and based on studies of less than 10 people. Which sadly, there's a lot of that in our in our industry. Yeah. Which is, the, which is the truth, I think, if we're all admitted. When we try and stay evidence-based, we, um, yeah, you have to kind of try and stick to that as much as possible. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything else. But, but, but a, a, lot of, a lot of the stuff that we don't know, we don't know, we don't know. Yeah. And if we were to take a second order point of view and look at our clinical decision-making process from back here, why did I make that decision? What was a gut feeling? And, and there's still a lot of that there. However, so if you look at a lot of the Iranian papers and things like that on AFOs, they're really hard to read, but they're really active in, 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 in trying to justify AFO designs and things. You, you look at um, Nikki's work, Nikki Edison, uh, and, and if you look at some of the other work on shank inclination, there's a lot of stuff there, but it's it's predominantly based around blocked ankle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's... Which is fine. It's absolutely... we've, got to, we've got to start there and then begin to, to understand where what we are what we're getting when we apply that. Yeah, and, and, and the fact that they they gave us insight into the basics, the dynamic stretch of gastrocelius complex, gastro ancillus. Uh, differently and, and 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 hip flexors and things like that getting the big V to, to me that was a massive change that was the start of um, oh that was a paradigm change well, what am I going to do now 
Mm-hmm. Can we do that somewhere else? And, and then I've, I've gone through with CAFO and AFO some patients who, I'll be honest, I'm supposed to be an expert in CAFO. I'm, I'm, there's no experts. Um, these patients scared the hell out of me when they turned up. And I'm like, what am I going to do here? Uh, so, I've, you know, after a good assessment, knowing what the muscle pairs are, knowing what the, the measured um, hypotonicity or clonus is at what parts in the gait cycle, highly subjective, but we still have to do it. Yeah. Um, that allowed me to tune my prescriptions for these guys. And, and a lot of those patients who want to, one had been told he would never walk again, we've all heard that, um, got stronger because we allowed motion. And I think like that, that all of those points to me as a clinician kind of come back to the fact that it's the patient like that's in front of you as well. Like they they they'll have their own view and opinion. So if you've got someone that's determined, then then why why can't something be done? Like managing expectations. Is, is tricky for all of us and something we never get taught, but we kind of come at everybody in the first phase of our career with purely everything is biomechanically as we see it at that time and that's what they get. Whereas some people want more, some people don't want anything at all. And I think that's probably a big range through the, through the industry that we, you know, working from kind of the health service to, to, to privately, it's, there are lots of, there's a massive range of mindset there from, from the patient as well, which will determine some of the outcome. Oh, absolutely, and and if you'll see the ones that go, I'll never walk again. Watch me. Yeah. And because a lot of the patients I've seen, a lot of the guys, people, ladies I've seen recently have been spinals, complex spinals, and and they're like, no, I'm I'm walking. I'm going yeah. to buy my beer at the bar. I'm going to do this. I want to walk down the aisle, and and these guys have invariably gotten stronger um not hugely stronger but enough such that the the CAFO the AFO whatever and all the other whole world view their whole world view has changed because they've got the ability to do something else probably not because of the AFO maybe because of the confidence and everything else that goes with it you just don't know mm-hmm. they've got stronger and more more able generally actually invariably so far with the stuff I've been doing, which is probably more luck than judgment as well, because we haven't got the evidence. To luck, luck is based on hard work and experience. <laughs> That's what luck is. <laughs> we all have a bit of it. In our, we all get a bit of it now and again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, 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 and we need more of it. But it, and I personally think you get you get more luck with a deeper assessment, with with knowing the tone and not just repeating what they've had before, which we all have to do because. Clinical time is precious and and, and compressed, um, but yeah, I I do think with a, the deeper assessment comes deeper understanding with the person, and I say this a lot: the person at the beginning, the middle, and the end of this whole story, the patient, the user, you need to know them well before you can get it right. And yeah. and you know, go, going back to the one that we do have evidence for is that neuroplasticity. Look up the gate guys and things like that. They've got some really good articles on on how neuroplasticity functions and how people might get stronger or might learn new skills. We can all learn new skills. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I'm going to take you back to the, so the, the basics of joints and AFOs. But, oh, yeah, uh, from, I know, I know, that was good, but no, but that was a good kind of conversation to, to go into because I think it's all important because it's not just as simple as the basics of the difference between 
using a pivot hinge to a, a triple action. It, um, it, we want to, you know, what, what are the basics of, of considering a hinge in an EFO? I run a lot of courses and they're predominantly CAFO based and we, we talk a lot about AFOs in there but they're aimed at a, a less able group generally than kids on AFOs. Kids on AFOs, they'll blat around the place breaking everything. Generally, they've grown up with what they've got and they, they know what they've got and they've learned what they've got. Stroke, CVA, Schlagenfall, uh, head injury, acquired problems are things where people have a whole new set of conditions thrust upon them for whatever reason. And, and, and they, I personally don't think that they fit, generally, there are no absolutes, they don't fit in that I grew up with this disease category or this pathology category. So they've got a whole lot more learning to do in a very short space of time. Um, and the basics are we don't know the answers to most of the questions that people ask us about where the centre of mass is going to go, how that's going to affect what the knee's doing on the ankle and how the ankle's going to affect what that does and how walking aids are going to affect that. But we just don't know. I've done some case studies to show that it makes a huge difference, but we can't measure it. We don't know how or why it works. Um, taking people from shank declined into shank uh, inclined just by giving them Walking aids, hollow, by changing the centre of mass, the centre of basis, the base of support, and such like, and then that's before we even look at the ankle and what the ankle's doing. But but the basics are for me is getting that whatever interface you have has to fit the bottom of the shoe. In in my humble opinion, mm -hmm. it has to fit the the bottom of the shoe. Otherwise, if you've got a a shoe, you've got the heel. And then it goes down into the waist of the shoe like this. Yeah. This is the waist and this is the sole with the toe spring at the end. If you've got a flat AFO, it just rocks back and forward. Okay. So you, it sits high. What do you find that that effect is on, on their gait when it, when it doesn't sit? Because, I mean, a lot of AFOs probably aren't um, pitched to the shoe. Uh, so I still see an awful lot of flat ones. I see a lot of workshops and, and there's an awful lot of flat stuff going on, which is great if they're going into flat shoe or they're going to have a, a shank-dependent raise put on there that fills the space. Yeah. But if you've got somebody, and, and one that always fires to mind was back in Birmingham, someone with a uh, cerebral ataxia, post-head injury, they, they had some rocking in the shoe. I've seen it time and time again, but this guy comes to mind because it was very violent the way he reacted to it um, and if it's rocking back and forward they've got no stable base of support mm -hmm. and an AFO and insole and all those sort of things the primary aim is to give us a stable base of support from which the kinetics can work and we can we can drive stand function so so that's failure number one for me generally mm -hmm. uh, because some folk might disagree with that or they might not have the time to to, to cast on a pitch board or they might not have technicians who can modify a cast down to fit a pitch board which is a compromise uh, so, so getting that right and then getting the whatever you use the difference between R1 and R2 the, the fast the fast movement of the ankle joint and where that catch is uh, that's important um, but, but even then I, I did a, a session with uh, a lass in Glasgow Donna she's, she's great she said, Dave, uh, so if I use these joints, and this was about our joint, 
that's a bias, beware of that. We were talking about our joint and, and how it can alter shank angle. So when I take a shank angle based cast, when I take a, an R1, R2 cast based on Tardu, because that's what Tardu is, but nobody knows what Tardu is. Tardu's measure of spasticity. Everyone's using R1, R2, but they don't know what it is. Please look that up, for God's sake. That's one of the basics. Um, now I'm on a I'll, get, I'll get out your email address so they can, you can send out the papers. <laughs> yeah, I've got them. Yeah, yeah. I know you would. I know you would. <laughs> um, she said, oh, if I, if I cock my cast up, does that mean I could use these joints to, to alter the, the shank angle again? I was like, did you, did you cut your cast up? Why? Well, well, tone changes are different in different positions at different times of day in different parts of the stand space. So did you cock it up? It's just not working the way you wanted it to. But yes, you can alter it and you can tune it and, and then play about the springs to get just enough range of motion. You know me with my just enough thing. Mm -hmm. Just enough range of motion, just enough force to either break the tone, stop the tone coming in, whatever you believe. Because again, it's a bit soapy and smoky mm -hmm. and misty around that subject. But the basics for me in anything is being able to have a, a Dave's get out of jail card when it doesn't quite work out. I try and put that in, in almost all of my prescriptions, be it CAFO, AFO, whatever. And that might be an ankle joint, an adjustable knee joint, uh, uh, things like that. You know, knowing, knowing where you can play around with range, I think we... We saw a patient together a while back, and I think that was we had a long, long discussion about where to where to pitch those AFOs. And then I remember kind of saying, "No, I'm I'm not confident to go as into a certain range. So I need a bigger get a jail free card than that." So, so yeah, I think we ended up reflecting a bit more. Well, we me, but uh, yeah, I know what you mean, it, uh, and it makes sense. Did they work on him? I dropped myself in here. Yeah, no, they worked. <laughs> <laughs> I still see him. And, uh, yeah, and I think, like, so kind of going on from that, that leads kind of nicely into it. I personally don't know a huge amount about the triple action joint, so I, if you can talk me, talk me through it, that would be uh, mm. probably helpful to everybody. Yeah, gladly. Um, I'm biased. I keep saying that. I'm, I'm clinically minded. We're all, we're, all, we're all biased at certain for certain things at certain points in our in our careers, don't worry. We are, but I'm highly conscious of it. <laughs> and um, and uh, I, there's various types of anchor joints. The, the next gear tango I love, I had some involvement in that. Um, it's it's hard to adjust. It takes a while to adjust because you have to take bits in and out and adjust the springs, and the springs give you a range of motion above mm -hmm. and your stops. So you're compromising that spring rate curve. If you don't know what spring rate curve is, it's easy enough to look up. Yeah. We'll take the assumption that anyone that listens has a pretty rough idea how a basic dynamic hinge works and uh, with the springs. I think I think this is where that from what we briefly talked about before, I'm interested because you said that the the spring rate isn't compromised when you change the range. Okay. Yeah, yeah, very, very much so. Um, maybe if somebody knows about dynamic ankle joints, they can tell me. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, so with the Fjord and Gens, which they're the, the great joints, they're wonderful joints. They look amazing and they do a good job. You you tend to alter the range by changing the spring yeah, length. That's like the neuro the neuro swing range. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah neuro cool. swing and and the the new uh, uh, the fluid. I forgot what it's called now. The one with the hydraulic lock between the two. That's yeah, I think I've seen on it. for similar as what the triple action does, but it's user adjustable. 
I think that's a smart ankle five years down the line. I hope it's a smart ankle five years down the line. Um, but the triple action, the springs stay the same length. I've got one. Of course I've got one. <laughs> so, so that would be the triple action. Others are available that do a similar job. These, these, uh, the podcast goes out without the video, so you'll have to give us your best visual description or people can look it up. Oh, it's just a podcast. Yeah, it, po- just a podcast. Just a pure so podcast. I, I'm holding I'm holding a triple action in my hand. They're, they're actually quite <laughs> small um, and they've got booster bars or uh, booster springs in them uh, yeah. at the front and the back. Um, and actually... You can order them with a front booster, a back booster, or no boosters, or both boosters. And I'll yeah. be honest with you, I don't think we know enough about how these things work that we should be ordering generally. In, in, in my personal humble opinion, we should only be ordering them really with two boosters because I know these sort of things inside. Bigger, bigger jet, get a jail-free card, surely, if you've got both on there. Yeah, you've got yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can see that. True. I like that. I'll, I'll look at this, and, and uh, which you can't see, and I'll adjust it to give me a certain amount of shank inclination so that I get a big V without the tone firing off. And that's me just setting the shank angle. Okay. Uh, I'll walk them. I'll do a static alignment first, like prosthetics. We're going back to prosthetics. Uh, I'll do a static alignment, which I'll fiddle about with when they walk. And then we start, and it starts off as a locked AFO. So you okay. start off with a blocked AFO anyway. So if you start adding range of motion and it, it works negatively, you go back again. Yeah. That's the get out of jail yeah. card for us. Yeah, and you've got both directions in. Yeah. To work in with the with the spring. Yeah, absolutely. And, and 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 what I do find that the reason for having to for me having feeling like I have to suggest using two boosters, because there's only a few quick more at the end of the day, is that I think I know how these work pretty well, but even when I've adjusted the front spring, the big spring on the front, because it's the one that's coping with the ground reaction force, that force couple from the foot plate going up in front of the knee to, to provide knee correction or control or stabilisation or, or feedback, I almost always end up altering the back slightly as well. Almost always. Um, and it might only be two or three degrees. It might be a quarter of a ton which is half a degree front or rear on these things. And um, mm-hmm. we did some fitting on these things in Scotland not long ago, a good friend of mine, Lynn Rowley, and, and two of them were quite complex patients. I looked at them and thought, there's quads tone there, there's hamstring tone firing off there. I'm a bit nervous that these going to work. And actually what we found was that it didn't make them perfect, but they slowed down some of their clonus uh, some of the hypertonicity that slowed it down, change the timing, just because we changed the shank angle and the speed at which it got to that ultimate shank angle. Because mm-hmm. obviously spasticity, is, as we treat it, is speed dependent generally. Yeah. If it moves, <laughs> it's speed dependent. Um, and um, But not always. Um, I always throw in these little bit. These little <laughs> cover cover every angle. Cover my backside. Um, and, and just because we got the shank right, and then we altered the springs by half a, you know, half a, a quarter of a, a turn, half a degree at a time, the difference was huge between half a degree and zero that it gave two patients in particular, and then two kids we've done down here in Chesterfield, or sorry, one kid here in Chesterfield. And yet we are trying to cast people, and, and we're doing our best profession. We, we've got the best profession in the world. 
we're guessing that from the side where it's it's difficult to gauge five degrees, never mind yeah. one yeah. degree or half a degree. So, so the ability for these types of joints to give us that granular control, I, I, I think is going to help us as a profession learn more about what range of motion, spasticity and things like that does and how it affects our progression of our centre of mass above it and what that does to the rest of the body and, and, and the kinetics within that too, because it's, it's not always kinematics, it's kinetics as well. You can understand the speed aspect of the spasticity because if you're able to utilize some joint range from heel strike to mid stance where you're slowing that down and by having some spring compression, then, you know, that, that is quite a nice thing to have a range of adjustment through and then to, to the middle mid stance and late stance as well in terms of speed of what is occurring. That does, that makes, that makes sense. Um, yeah, it makes sense to me as well. Yeah. I think what I, I think trying to, uh, because I've not used it, I think trying to put it into practice is always the, the, the scary bit when you try and do it for the first time. So I think yeah. that probably puts people off, I would guess, like from trying something new um, that's maybe a bit more expensive and a bit more unknown. But I think that's obviously where education comes in, comes in and it's really helpful. Well, yeah, I'm like you. Education is... I think it's the basis of everything. With that comes trust, and and you know, I'm very by. I'm, I'm very open about the fact that I may have biases because I want folk to trust me. I know that they can ask me about other manufacturer stuff, and I'll be honest about them. You know, I like them. I might have helped design them. You know, yeah. uh, there's and lots out there. Because the the other angle from it is, and I, I mentioned this to you before as well, that one of the kind of Facebook groups that I'm in, you can see like a lot of like this is generally in that group there's a lot of probably lack of understanding from parents you know what they've got their what they've got afos for um and and then it's like oh no why we've got a hinge or we've not and it's a general like oh why don't i have one and you know and i guess what's your opinion on knowing that there's a pediatric version of that joint do you and where you where your experience takes you lead you to believe now do you think that most people children as well could can benefit from having having that having that more dynamic range in the, at the ankle or does it again come down to the specific patient which i know <laughs> oh yeah it always comes down to the specific patient <laughs> yeah, and was, the mom uh, and the yeah. dad and and everything else that affects the, their life positively and negatively but but actually i'll go back to a point i think i said a minute ago Kids are complex. Kids are amazing. Kids, kids are just awesome. Um, I, I personally think that using this joint, and I, I think it's it's not expensive. Our system, um, it's not that expensive. It's, it's a lot less than the other manufacturers. You know, they're all quality, fantastic parts. Does it have to be used with carbon fiber, or it can be used. The B size can be easily used with carbon fiber, um, and and actually, I think for a kid finger sticking in the air, feeling the, the wind. I think a kid above eight, nine years old could get away with a B size. Right. Unless they're tiny, totally teeny. Would it, would it go into plastic as well? Probably prop. The, the, the kid's AFO version is predominantly designed for use in, in plastic. You can get away with it in, in composite. 
but kids are growing quickly. Yeah, so yeah, yeah I, I probably wouldn't entertain that anyway. Yeah. And, and and what I think that joint is going to do, particularly for the kids of joints like these, maybe this joint, because I think I said before, if I designed one, it would have been this, because it gives that shank angle change and the ind independence of the spring rates, because it doesn't squeeze the springs until it's using the range of motion of plantar flexion and dorsiflexion. Um, I think this system might help us learn more about what that shank angle does to a kid or someone mm -hmm. with or any other presentation which causes clonus or change in tone. Um, it, by being able to adjust the range of motion around that shank angle, mm -hmm. you know, I'm quite scientifically minded. I don't get to do an awful lot of research. I think Strathclyde are already jumping at this to do some research on ankle joints which is a big change for Strathclyde. Um, I, I, I think this could end up being the centre for focused research, things like this, in how we're managing stroke and walking in kids and adults. Because okay. it's a get out of jail card. You can play with it ad infinitum. It's infinitely adjustable. Yeah, because I, I guess when people come back for that review, then you're, you're not open the toolbox and all you can adjust is the wedges or remake it. Um, you can say, okay, well, we, we can do a little bit more. We can be a bit more technical uh, and we can we can alter that um, shank range and or spring tension and see what the effect is, whether it's positive or negative, and then your further, further follow-ups kind of go along that kind yeah. of line where you're able to constantly tune a prescription, which is new for, new for, I guess, a bit of a new experience for us as clinicians that tends to be something's in place and then see if there's a problem because it's fixed I, I, I agree and, and actually I think what well, I've had limited experience with it in kids so far um, I think when you show it's adjustable when you show that you're adjusting it you show the differences that it makes you, you, we have to do clinical outcomes to show that it changes output of the ability to walk sit to stand whatever um, we've got to do that as a profession that's, that's my basic opinion um, I think if you show it adjusting or being adjusted and the difference it's making with those times and with those step lengths and quality of gait, things like that, I think it's easier to get some of the more difficult aspects of onboarding family members. It might help with that as well. I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think someone, if they feel like it's different because it's not fixed, but yet clinically we know that it does a bit more because it is dynamic, but plus we have ability to 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 play with that shank angle and and create change without having to recast and remake and you know yeah that, I think that opens opens a, a good avenue for for us as clinicians um, yeah. definitely and I, I buy I think the other thing in my head is that if it if 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 they if Becker have got this and I can imagine it's probably not long before you say like. Your against have got something similar out, and I'm sure Autobot won't be far behind when they're saying we we can we'll be they'll bring bringing out the competition. Well, well I, I can tell you this because it's public knowledge anyway. But when I, when I was working at Bok, um, and I was possibly one of the protagonists, we we, we sued Becker. Because <laughs> 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 for Becker, um, I'm honest. I tell you, um, we. We sued Becker because they made it with removable booster valves, or booster valves, booster units. Um, 
Anne and Becker were told that they couldn't make it with the removable boosters. It had to be fixed in place because that was something that Bok had um, patented. And, and, and actually, I might have told you this, I can't remember. Actually, what it ended up with was a joint, I think they did Becker a favour now, because you don't have a big bag and box of, of yeah, bits that you have to I can, carry. It's, I can see the advantage in that. Yeah, it's one one thing. And it's super easy to adjust. It's five minutes to adjust, two minutes to adjust, half an hour to adjust if you're really you know, going to the nth degree and you're trying to onboard people. You can yeah. show the differences it makes. Um, they did us a favour. So yeah. I don't think they'll be copying that because that bit's patented as well. Ah, okay. There we go then. So, um, I hope they don't anyway. If you're in Gents, I've got their hydraulic version of doing it. And like I say, I'd love to see that being a, a, a smart ankle. In, yeah, that, um, might, that that's exciting. You start seeing things progressing. Uh, but, well, I think I, I think personally, I would like to like to get some experience in uh, in the the triple action because that looks that sounds interesting. So I'll just need to get get the right candidate and be well, brave well, enough to try out. <laughs> don't don't be scared of it because obviously, as as a, a company, but this is about the, the profession. I think really rather than companies and stuff, but. The um, the company's got test authorities that people can try. We've got a couple of sets, um, and people can try it on an individual, as long as they're sort of people shaped, or you can get a TCI on there to accommodate what they've got going on. Um, and we've actually we did that for one of our own orthotists who's had some negative experience with blocked ankle AFOs. They caused them a massively wide base of gait. He was unsteady, didn't like them. Uh, his tone fired off left, right and centre. He was the first person I actually treated. Um, and we made him a pair of these uh, triple actions. And he told us where he wanted them tuning to. And his tone dropped off. His gait increased speed-wise quality, step-length equality, symmetry they call it, don't they? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, huge difference. And, and, and he wasn't a believer right. at the time. And that's an orthotist, you know, he's like, I don't think this is going to work. But now he's yeah. got, if they arrived with him today, yeah, he's, he's definitive pair. Like I, then I kind of, this, this is probably already answered, but the last question I had on my list was, when, when would you go solid over hinged? Or would you not anymore? Oh, I've never still a place. Yeah, there's, there's still, still a place. A place. Oh, definitely, yeah. You, you'll have those individuals well, I've not been in a stroke ward in a while because I've been working away, obviously. Um, but those individuals who in the past might have been in a bed mm-hmm. and they're, they're plantar flex, they're inverted, they're, they're fixed, they're not going anywhere. Uh, I, I don't yeah. think and, do. and I think, like, in terms of like using a hinge dynamic, you need to have some reasonable range of movement. And my belief was that. I mean, if someone was massively plantar flex, but they still had some range, you could essentially use that, but you would be kind of using a small range at the end and, and trying to decide whether that was, was worthwhile or not. Well, yeah, we've done that with an SDR-selected dorsal rhizotomy patient who had some range, wasn't as good as he was supposed to be, um, and we, we gave him some range. I think he ended up with three or five degrees into you know knee flexion, third rocker, uh, dorsiflexion, and, and sorry, second rocker just before third rocker. Um, we couldn't give him any more, but, but he was quite 
Because he had no range or because... because he had no range. If somebody had no range and you didn't think for the life of you that you could see them developing any range, then I would... And they exist in every clinical day, they exist. I wouldn't give them a hinge. And if there's loads and loads of torsion going on and where you think, oh, that's really going to break anything, I wouldn't give it then. Yeah. Um, but generally... You're kind of, you're kind of normal contraindications still exist for, for hinge. Yeah, was. yeah, but I wouldn't say it's... Uh, do you remember, it's a... was it Elaine Owen's first algorithm that she published when her master's? I loved that. I've still got it on the wall um, in, in the office at home. Um, there, was a, there was an offshoot that said if somebody's got 10 degrees of dorsiflexion, then you can stick them into a, an ankle-jointed AFO. That sort of disappeared after a while. Yeah. Um, but I, I still think that has merit. But actually, I think it might only be three degrees of dorsiflexion from whatever that cast position is as well. So it might be that you're taking a plantar flex cast, mm. but you think if, if the tone doesn't kick off, you yeah. might have three or five degrees. You, you might find that they get that dynamic stretch, dynamic change in range of motion, which means you might be able to give them more range of motion three months, two weeks, whatever, down the line. So if I've got even an inkling of a thought, then I would probably suggest trying a hinge joint, especially with this one, because if it doesn't work, you lock it up. Nothing Yeah. Works. Yeah. Um, no, that's cool. Thank you for, for sharing that education for me. I'm sure there are other people out there that will benefit from your knowledge, and I know you are doing some courses for BAPO as well. Yeah, we've got another CAFO course running, and... Um, running in oh, the end of this month, or oh, this is April, in the next month in Chesterfield. So it's a two-day course. We like to get te technicians in as well, if we can, um, because they're important to us. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about that before as well, the importance of the technical ability um, to, to make these prescriptions uh, kind of come alive as best as possible. And also to kickstart us as orthotists and communicating with them as well. Back yeah. and forth, you know. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're not awarding this. Um, so, yeah, there's that course. Uh, we're running MSK courses here all the time. Um, I'll probably be running some metalwork courses as well over time, you know, manufacturing, because uh, of my background experience in metallurgy and such like with um, aircraft engineering. So, yeah, we, we do a lot here. We, we, I've got myself a great position here where we're authorised to to invest in the profession, you know, education first, 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 first. Yeah. Product doesn't even come up generally. It's all about education. Yeah, so those basic principles that we talked about at the start. Yeah. Get, Get your range, learn what TARDU is, because a lot of you are doing it. If you're doing fast contraction or fast plantar flexion, dorsiflexion, you're doing it without realising it. Find out what the numbers mean. That's the basics of a good prescription for CAFO and everything else. Know, know the neurology, know the muscle powers, because if you don't know those, you can't pick joints for CAFOs or AFOs. Um, and, and know the patient, know the user. Yeah, I think that's most one of the most well equally as important as your as your assessment and yeah, what they absolutely. want to achieve. Cool. Thanks so much, Dave, for your time, and we will be sure to catch up again. I, I'm Right, sure of uh, when we've got some more uh, some more to talk about. Well, nice you're only over Kerfilly Mountain, but yeah, thanks for the invitation. It's great. Cheers, Dave. Bye.